We, we come on, on a day like today, and, you know, there's mixed opinions out there whether or not a pastor should stop his sermon series that he's doing to address a holiday, to look at something according to what that holiday is celebrating and such. And, you know, I understand those mixed opinions and thoughts, but, you know, sometimes there's those days that, that really should just give us a little pause that we should reflect on and, in truth, come and see what God's Word has to say. Today is Mother's Day, a day set aside to honor our mothers. And I'm not going to speak to, you know, the, the struggles or the joys and all of that. I, instead, I... I wanted to come to the scriptures on, well, honestly, a holiday that impacts us all. Believe it or not, all of us had mothers. And, and see what God's word has to say about it. And I wanted to look this morning on, on one particular mother. I've never actually done a Mother's Day message looking at her. Her name is Mary the mother of Jesus. Huh. I, I thought, you know, wow, what, a, what an interesting study this would be. And it turned out to be fascinating, really. And I don't think I'm going to do it justice in our, our brief time this morning. But I want to look at, at Mary in the scriptures. And I appreciate how Elizabeth addressed Mary when she saw Mary coming to visit her in verse 42 of Luke. We're going to be spending most of our time in the first uh, chapter of Luke there, so I'd encourage you to turn. But as Mary, as Elizabeth sees Mary, she cries out with a loud voice. I, I mean, I can only imagine, right? Oh, you know, they're just excited and all of that. But then listen to the words that Elizabeth says of this young woman. Blessed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how is it, has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? What a beautiful way to honor Mary. What a beautiful way to honor this woman chosen to give birth to our Lord and Savior. You know, I find often when it comes to Mary, the mother of Jesus, that we often see two extremes. One extreme is people take Mary and they worship her. They put her on the same level as Jesus Christ himself, which is sin. The other extreme is, well, we won't do that, and they don't even acknowledge the woman. 
they give her very little recognition or honor, and I feel both are wrong. So I thought today, as we honor that role of motherhood, that we would take time to honor this woman, Mary, that bore the child called the Son of God. We're going to take time today to look at who she was and some things about her as we consider motherhood. So who was Mary? You know, if we were to take a journey from Jerusalem, most people know where, where Jerusalem is, but you'd have to take several days' journey up into the hill country and, and nestled in the hills in a very strategic location, actually, so strategic that often there were Roman soldiers that would frequent the area, Gentiles, you would find a small town nestled in the mountains called Nazareth. And you've got to understand, Nazareth was not the place to be or the place to be from. In fact, Nathaniel, Jesus, one of Jesus' disciples, as, as he's, you know, before he's one of his disciples, you know, his brother comes and says, hey, 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 guess what? The Messiah is here. He's come. He says, Jesus from Nazareth. Look at his response in, in John. He says, can anything good? Oh, there it is. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Have you ever lived in a town like that? Where they say, can anything good come from <clears throat> there? I'm not going to name towns because, you know, that's just not good. That's, you know, you don't try to upset people as a pastor, but, but we know about those towns, don't we? We know about those towns that you actually kind of avoid. When, when they come to mind, you're like, heathens. He says, can anything good come from that place? I love Philip's response, though. Come and see. Shouldn't that be our response? Can anything good come from religion? Well, come and see my Savior. Come and see him. Meet him. But that's the town that, that Mary and Joseph are from. Mary's living in this town. I, I want to make her real for you this morning. Allow me to do that, okay? We have all these images. We have all these greeting cards and everything of, of this sweet Mary, okay? And we have all sorts of icons around our world. I want her to become human for you just, just for this morning, okay? Track with me. Mary. First of all, she's a young woman. Most scholars speculate she's, she's in her mid to late teens. So picture a high schooler or a freshman in college. 
a young woman coming from a poor family. They, there was not great wealth there. She's a hard worker, probably been out in the fields, out in the gardens. Her hands are not soft and smooth. Her face is darkened by the sun. Her clothes do not look glowing like most pictures show. She probably got hand-me-downs. She's in a town. Just a few hundred people. Can you imagine being from a town with just maybe four or five hundred people? Wouldn't that just be so quaint? Oh, and rumors would just run through that town so fast. I mean, you can't even get home to dinner before mom and dad found out what you were doing kind of town. Imagine how fast a rumor would spread. Gossip. I imagine, we all know the story of Mary, that would make for a very awkward wedding day. A wedding day where the whole community comes together, but... And oh, how the rumors would spread. The looks, the turning away, the sneers and snarls. You know what kind of town I'm talking about, right? She's engaged. She's betrothed to be married to Joseph. Oh, that engagement period. So exciting and wonderful. I mean, during that betrothal time, they were legally married. It was after the, the two families came together and arranged it. The, the bride price was paid. All of those things. And Israel had a beautiful custom. Even though there was arranged weddings and marriages, there would be a season of time where the two would still get to know each other. Kind of an engagement period. But they were legally married. But they would not come together intimately during that time until the wedding ceremony. A beautiful time to get to know each other, prepare. And if you wanted to separate during that time, it was only done through a legal divorce. Imagine this young girl planning her wedding thinking about her dress and her bridesmaids. I mean, she's excited. Oh, and she's marrying this man, Joseph. What an amazing man. We'll look more at him on Father's Day, but I imagine she's planning their home, maybe their first child and how beautiful it'll be, the garden she wants to plant. I don't know. She has all these, these ideas and dreams and one day she's maybe out there working in the field and, and she, gets, she gets a visitor. An unexpected visitor that, that would, well, kind of change things for the rest of her life. We know she's a virgin 
And we know she's from the line of David. Look with me at verse 26 of that same chapter 1. Luke does an amazing job recording for us about this young woman. I imagine as he wrote his Gospel of Luke and Acts, uh, she was one that he interviewed, talked to about all these things. But look what it says in verse 26 and 27. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. You're like, the sixth month? This is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Okay? Elizabeth is going to have a baby. John, John the Baptist. That's another story, another mother, okay? But Gabriel comes to Galilee in a town called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Two important things we need to understand. She's a virgin. And some have speculated that just means a young girl. No, we're going to look at it. That's not what it's talking about. But more importantly, she's from the line of David. God had promised something to David long ago. We'll look at that next Sunday in our sermon, but... But Israel's been waiting, anticipating, wondering. And probably nobody thought it would be in Nazareth. Gabriel's message as he comes and talks to her really perplexes this young woman. Look at what it says, verse 28. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. Huh? Well, that's odd. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at his statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Do, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. What? What? I mean, imagine being this young gal and all of a sudden the angel is standing there saying these kind of words to you. I mean, wouldn't some of your first questions be, why? Of all the, the women in the world, of all the women in Jerusalem, why am I favored? Why am I blessed? First of all, I'm young. I'm a nobody. Even in my town, I, nobody. I'm poor. There's nothing. Why am I so special? Do you know why? Actually, we're not told. We have no clue. Do you know why God chooses you? Probably not. Job had no clue why God chose him. 
You know, sometimes God makes a choice and we have no clue why. I mean, we looked at Abraham's life, we have no clue why God chose that man. I mean, mistake after mistake after mistake, right? I mean, goodness. God, why would you choose Israel? We're not told why God chose her, but we can look at some things in her life that give us a glimpse. Why did God choose your mom for you? Some of you are like, I have been asking that for a long time. I have no idea. Some of you have kids. You're like, God, why, why me? And I mean that in a very sincere way. Mary may have wanted to ask these questions, yet she didn't get to ask that to the angel. He goes right into the, the next words and, and begins to share what is going to happen. These, these next words would complicate her life and make things very difficult for the rest of her life. Has God ever worked in your life and all of a sudden things just got really difficult? And you ask God, why? What had been promised from old was about to occur. Every generation of Jews would look for the Messiah. Some would ponder and think, what if it's me? I don't think they pondered truly what it entailed, though. And Mary will find out. But look at the, the angel's message to her. He just continues on. But she was very perplexed. I would be too. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Gabriel utters those words, and Mary would not have missed the significance of what was being said. Mary, the promised Messiah, is now upon us. It is time. The promise that went all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The promise that had been given to Abraham over 2,000 years earlier. Can you imagine waiting for a promise for 2,000 years? 
Some of us struggle for two days. Like, God, we thought you'd be faithful, and, well, it's been two weeks. God is faithful. Promise to David from your line, I will establish the throne forever. Meaning the one who sits on the throne, David, will not only be a king, he will be a king eternal. The Messiah. The anointed one. Mary hears this. Gabriel says to her, you're going to carry in your womb the Messiah. Think about that. God becoming flesh. We ponder it at Christmas time. Mary asked a question. And I, I truly don't believe that her question was doubt in the message that, that Gabriel's given. Her, her question is <clears throat> how? I need some clarification. Has God ever told you to do something that you'd really like clarification? All the time for me. God, I, I want some clarification. How? How is this going to be? How do I go about this? Look with me, verse 34. And Mary said, how can this be, since I am a virgin? How can this be, since I have not laid with a man? How can this be? I, I need some clarification. Gabriel uses terminology and words that Mary would have been very well acquainted with. What we know from Mary is that whoever her mom was, whoever her father was, taught her the scriptures. They took time to embed this young woman in God's word and raise her up accordingly. Because the answer is that overshadowing the Spirit will come upon. She understood this. She would think back to Moses and the tabernacle as the Spirit of God would come upon and rest. She understood this. Look at verse 35. Then the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for this reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, I love that word, behold. Behold, look. Pay attention. Look at this. Even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Oh, okay, that six-month thing makes sense now, right? 
Six months along, Elizabeth in her old age is pregnant. You know what's beautiful is God, when He is doing a work, He is also faithful to show you that He is working. And this was to be a sign for even Mary. But look at verse 37. For nothing. It doesn't say for most things. It doesn't say for some things. It says for nothing will be impossible with God. Moms, dad, children, aunts, uncles, grandparents, some of you need to hear this. You're looking for God to work. You're wanting Him to do something. And there is absolutely nothing impossible for Him. I'm not saying He'll do it every time. But understand the God that we go to. When you cry yourself to sleep, He's the God who can work. When you plead to God for your child, He is the God who can work. When tomorrow faces unknowns, uncertainties, and fears, He is the God who can work. When you have been waiting 2,000 years for a Messiah, He is the God who can work, and He works in amazing ways. And we get a glimpse of Mary's character, her heart in her response. Look at verse 38. It is powerful. And Mary said, Behold, look. <laughs> the bond slave of the Lord. A bond slave was a willing servant, one who willingly placed themselves into the service of another. The bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What faith. What humility. And then we get to see a glimpse of her heart in the verses that follow. I'm not sure what, what happened next. I'm not sure if she went and told Joseph or this kind of just freaked her out and she just went and, and visited Elizabeth. We're not sure which, which occurred first. But for three months, she goes and she visits her, her, uh, her cousin Elizabeth up in the hill country. Three months, well, you know, John the Baptist is born at that time, and so she comes back and prepares for her pregnancy. We don't know if she told him before or after, but either way, poor Joseph. We'll look at him another time. She runs up to Elizabeth. You know, I would imagine part of it is excited. Because Elizabeth is pregnant, she's going to have a baby. Also, God, I need to confirm this. You, I have just received a message that I'm going to be the mom of the Messiah. 
I'm going to be the one who raises the Messiah. I need to know that this is real. And she goes, and there's Elizabeth with, with her little belly bump, carrying John the Baptist. And it says, when she arrived and heard the voice of Mary, that the baby inside Elizabeth leaped for joy. The life that is carried. But out of this, Mary, Mary writes a song. I love poetry. I love poets. I love those strong enough that can look at the words on a page and appreciate them. And Mary, in her response to all that has occurred as she comes to Elizabeth, writes a song on her heart. Verse 46. Follow along with me, would you, as we look at this song? And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. We should honor her. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Yeah. You're like, well, that's a weird song. Really? It shows this young woman's heart for the Lord in a powerful way. I want to encourage all of us, moms, women, men, to have that same character of heart. She begins by praising God. Do you look at life circumstances, the joys, the sorrows, the heartaches, the fun times and praise God? Notice here, we, we praise God and not Mary. She's honored, she's blessed. But it's God who here is getting the glory. Mary is a saint. As are all who believe in Jesus Christ. 
I love how she addresses God as her Savior. Mary, born into sin, needs a Savior herself. She's looking for a Savior, looking for the Messiah. And her humility here is just absolutely amazing. Notice as you read through this song, who's doing the work? She looks and she sees what's being done. She herself will carry this baby in her womb. She herself will nurse this baby, feed it, train it. Pick him up when he falls and when he's trying to learn to walk. But it's God here who is doing the work. And she acknowledges him for the work that he is doing. God had to do the work. We're incapable of doing it. Mary is incapable of doing it. We need the work of a Savior. And Mary points to this. We needed God to do a work that only God could do. So God comes down and He uses a young virgin woman God comes down to a town that nobody would consider, a town of Nazareth, and he uses a girl from that town. God comes down and uses a stepdad who's a carpenter. God comes down and he works salvation. through something so helpless as a baby. So humble. One of the main characteristics of our Savior, as we would look at in Philippians, was our Savior was humble. And I believe the characteristic one of them that just stood out was Mary's humility. What she would do, what she would bear. This song is, is called the Magnificent. Magnify. Do you see who it magnifies? Not her. But God Almighty. This woman is pointing to her God, her Savior. Do you realize that most of this song that she's writing is, 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 is taken from Scripture? When she wants to rejoice over the work that God is doing in sending the Messiah, the Savior, the only thing she can find powerful enough is the very words of God to celebrate this. She uses the word of God. I love when I see moms wanting to speak powerfully into the hearts and lives of their children. And the only thing they can come up with is to turn to the pages of Scripture and declare the power and truth of God's word to their children. 
and Mary would be a mother. Now, unlike every other mother in this world, Mary had a blessing. Her firstborn was perfect. I don't know about you, but our firstborn, we had to learn some things. We were not perfect, neither was he. But her firstborn was perfect. Because as the angel said, her firstborn would be the very son of God. What a privilege, what an honor to raise the son of God. His father would be the God almighty, God creator. The one that she would raise would be the one that we sing, King of kings, Lord of lords. The one that she raised would be the one in Revelation, as Mark read, that would have fire in his eyes and a robe dipped in blood. The Messiah. You know, if you were Mary, would you ponder these things? I love that throughout different stages of Mary's life, it says that she pondered these things. She treasured these things in her heart. Today we have phones that we can flip through and go back through memories. My wife just made memory books with our son graduating, and we flip through them. We ponder, my goodness, God, he survived. What what an amazing thing. But Mary would ponder so many things. Simeon, as he would would praise God, but he would look at Mary and say, Mary, your soul will be pierced. There are things you're going to treasure and ponder in your heart, but your soul will be pierced. She pondered those words. Think about those moments that she treasured. As we wrap up today, think of this young woman who would watch her firstborn grow. Her other sons and daughters, I mean, they wouldn't be perfect. We have their sins recorded and all of that, but she would ponder some things the conception, the birth. We've looked at the birth and the, the shepherds come and they share what they saw, the angels and their message. And it says Mary pondered these things in her heart. As Simeon is, is dedicating that, that baby Jesus in the temple, Mary ponders and treasures those things in her heart. As the Magi from the East, a few years later, show up and bring gifts and worship this baby boy, probably two or three years old at that point, she looks and she listens and she ponders and treasures those things in her heart. Trying to grasp this young one that she has fed, nurtured, raised, taught to walk. taught the scriptures and thank goodness Mary was not a perfect mom did you know that she left her son in Jerusalem 
I mean, we've left our kids at church before, but never another town. No, actually, they traveled in family groups, and they presumed he was with other family. They search for days looking for him. They finally find him. Jesus, a young, young boy at that time, and they find Jesus in the temple teaching. She's frantic. And Jesus says, you should have known I was in my father's house. What a statement. She pondered these things. She, she treasured these things in her heart. Grappling with the humanity of Jesus, yet the deity of Jesus. I love when we see Jesus' ministry start. It starts at a wedding. And Mary comes up to Jesus and says, they're out of wine. Jesus is like, why, why do you come to me? It's not my time yet. Mary disregards that and she turns to the servants and she says something that every mother, I think, should learn this phrase. John, chapter 2, verse 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, whatever he says to you, do it. Moms, dads, that's a good phrase to learn. Whatever Jesus says, do it. What powerful words from a mother to point people to Jesus and say, whatever he's telling you to do, you need to do it. You know, through the ages, we've seen moms point their children. We've seen aunts, grandmas, great-grandmas point children to Christ. No greater honor. We come and we look at a young woman like Mary that God chose to carry his son, to raise his son, who this mother would watch die on a cross for her sin. This woman, Mary, as, as she would be up in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, maybe thinking about the day she gave birth to Jesus would be a part of the birth of the church as the Holy Spirit would come and indwell His church. She was a part of that. We don't know why God chose her fully. We can have some wonderful ideas, can't we? Today, we honor her. Today, we honor moms. 
Today we honor the role of motherhood. A role established by God himself. So take time in whatever way to honor that role that God has given. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you chose this young woman. And God, today we don't want to, to make her any greater than she is. We don't want to detract from your choice. God, we thank you for her example, her humility, her faithfulness to you, God. Lord, thank you for your son. That you would choose to come in such a humble manner that all may come to you. God, thank you for dying such a horrific death that you would bear upon yourself, the Son of God, our sin. And do such an amazing, powerful act of resurrection that we can serve one who lives, one who sits on the throne of David. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.